it was like a big mountain stage and we like really wanted to win, had no bikes and mechanics out there like chasing these robbers in his buddy undies and uh, <laughs> and we never got him back. And uh, no. so how we all came together at that tour, like within other teams as well, like we, we got to the start line, I was on like a can, canyon like SRAM bike and never used yeah. SRAM before and buddy doing the gears wrong up and down the climbs. Yeah. <laughs> everyone's just on different bikes different geometries and we just bloody got it done and eventually we got got team bikes back and uh won a stage and oh. like stuff like that and uh yeah when when the bad times happen but then you make it good and you all come together and, and particularly in the cycling community like everyone helps each other out and um that was just a tour i remember forever and uh yeah just uh, there's just so many good moments G'day legends, welcome back to the Press Room Podcast presented by Zwift, episode 82, and this one is a very special episode. Our guest today is the retiring people's champ, it's Jessica Allen from Jaco Alula. Now, Jess is a legend of the women's professional peloton, a 10-year career, guys, comes to an end, and this could only be described as a trailblazing career for any uh, women's professional cyclist. You know, Jess made her way through the ranks of uh, the women's peloton when the sport was barely recognised. You know, back then, the development and pathways that are available now were slim to none, and Jess had to really do it the hard way, and we'll hear about that in the podcast as well. Now, in a funny way, you know, Jess has been on both sides of the coin. You know, she's been... Um, in and amongst the sport in her early days when there was sort of no coverage, you know, pre-GCN era. And now in the last sort of three or four years, um, she's been able to experience the post-GCN uh, era where the sport on the women's side has absolutely exploded and is really on a fierce trajectory. Now, Jess has been recognised and is recognised as, you know, one of the best domestics in the women's sport and also not only just the best domestic, but one of the greatest mentors uh, for the young riders that she's raced with, uh, raced against, and of course had uh, anything to do with um, throughout her career. And she's really had a big influence on the younger athletes coming through the sport because she's been able to sort of pass on her experience uh, as I guess she's had when she went through um, the tougher and um, early days in her in her career so it's a really really special pod and, and Jess and I know each other well now and this episode is an absolute cracker because you'll finish listening to this episode and you'll think gee I wish uh, if I was in the women's professional peloton that Jess was on my team so I know you guys are gonna love this episode she is the true people's champ and uh, yeah it's an absolute cracker but before we get stuck into this episode, legends, you know Zwift are back on board, continuing our title sponsorship with the greatest indoor cycling platform in the world. The Tour of Utopia is on in uh, October, okay? October's great, my birthday's in October, so just keep that in your diaries. But uh, October 2nd is when the Tour of Utopia starts, and you get the double XP. Now, if you're not on Zwift, you won't get this, but leveling up takes ages in Zwift, once you get past like level 15, but the Tour of Utopia, it only happens once a year where you can get double XP and this is when it happens. So make sure you get on there. If you want to get all those sick unlocks, you need the double XP. And not only that, the new roads, okay? There's about 40Ks of new roads in Watopia and a lot of them will be released for the first time during the Tour of Utopia. So, you know, 
get on it and experience that and don't miss out. You mates to be, uh, you know, leveling up pasture if you don't get on board. And also, right, you can't forget about Bike Racks, the new sponsor for TPR Podcast, okay? So it's Bike, R-A-K-Z. That is how you spell it. And, of course, .com if you want to go to their website. I have just finished installing the remainder of the racks in my patio area and um, i'm looking forward to sharing the video with that okay i'm about two days away from finishing the edit to that vid and i'll show you how to install them put them up and what they look like the whole process it's really easy i'm not a master handyman so if i can put them up then you can too but i have to say i'm really happy with how they look they just make the bikes look tidy you know bikes just up against the wall or lean against something they just look village, so um, yeah, they look really good. TPR20, okay, TPR20, and you can get 20% off if you need some bike racks or you're sort of looking for that way to store your bike uh, indoors or out that uh, just keeps things looking nice and neat. So check out the website, bikeracks.com. It's B-I-K-E-R-A-K-Z.com. And uh, yeah, that's it. But last one, and I know, I know, we want to get to Jess, all right, but just let me do this. The TPR bottles, legends, everyone over east or international, you'll be getting your bottles in the mail. They should be arriving today, tomorrow, any day now. OzPost, a little bit slow, but, um, you know, they'll be worth the wait. And if you haven't got any bottles yet, you still have a few left, so make sure you get to the website, which is in the description. It's in the Instagram link. It's tprcyphonnews.com, and you can get yours. And if you buy two, you go into the draw to win two or one of two attacker kits okay we can all just take a breath biggest intro ever but you know tpr the machine it rolls on this is episode 82 legends jess allen the retirement pod of the people's champ and i hope you enjoy which is like a one-day race in Italy on October 3rd. And then I go to China for Chongming Island and Guangxi, which is just like a one-day race. So finish the career in China. <laughs> <laughs> How good. <laughs> That's a good, so interesting place to finish. Yeah, wow. it is an interesting place, China. for sure. Yeah, I was talking to Plathy early this week and he said he was feeling pretty stitched up that his team was sending him everywhere and he said he had to finish in China. Yeah. <laughs> Kel got out of it and he had to go. Him and Sammy, you got to go. I uh, wasn't meant to do China and I was like, oh, as soon as I say I'm retiring, that'll probably be like, you're going to China. <laughs> China, here it comes, yeah. <laughs> but no, it's, oh. a, it's actually not a bad race, to be fair. It's a pretty good time as well and, mm, yeah. yeah. a bit. Good group going, so it'll be good. Um, do you remember what your first pro race was? Like yeah. in Europe or not in Australia? Yeah. Where was it? Um, so like after under 19s, it was um it was called Energy Watt Tour. Um, so I was oh. I had the Amy Gillett scholarship um back in 2012. Mm. And so that spring they took think like six of us Aussies over there um plus wow. yeah the Amy scholarship holder um so yeah we like just we're in Belgium um and this this energy what tour is in Holland and it's in like March or April and it's just known for like pancake flat racing 
tiny roads, crosswinds, <laughs> and there's like little 18-year-old Jess, like, <laughs> and so that was my first ever, uh, <laughs> first ever experience racing in Europe, and um, I did bloody well, to be fair, like, I, oh, I think that's when I knew that I was going to be okay in Europe, because I, I really enjoyed the positioning, and like you'd be lining up on the start line 40 minutes before the start because it was 50k an hour crosswinds from the gun and it's freezing <laughs> cold and <laughs> yeah and so that was like a sink or swim moment I think I think most people that would do a race like that as their first race would be like what is this <laughs> wow yeah That's so that was start contrast of yeah elite racing wow did you, we, with the scholarship, did you um, race with Lisa Jacobs as well? Um, not in the national team. I, I raced with her in VIS. Um, oh, okay. And, yeah, which was awesome. So um, I actually did a tour in New Zealand um, with her, and mm. that was super fun, actually. We had a really good group of girls, Colin McConville, Lisa Jacobs, um, Kendall Hodges, and, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, that was such a fun time with um, Donna Racer Zinke as our director. And, oh, yeah. Yeah, so it was, yeah. that was uh, such a fun year. Yeah, I met her last year at Dirty Warney. Um, I think she was down there doing the event there. She's super cool. Yeah, really that nice. She's awesome. Yeah, in yeah. fact, the entire Amy Gillett Foundation, all the people that work there are legends. Oh, they're unreal. Like the end of yeah. that year, we did a share the road tour actually. Um, mm. So we rode from Adelaide to Melbourne over a week. And I can't remember how many of us it would have been, probably about 30 or so. And um, it was unreal. So uh, it was so much fun. Everyone involved, the whole organization, just awesome people. And uh, yeah. I'm still in contact with a lot of them now. And yeah, it's 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 a great old organization, and hopefully, I actually would like to be a part of it um, someday mm. as well. I reckon. Mm, yeah, geez, I tell you what, like cycling. I mean, we're going to talk about yeah you know, as we go through this, but like you get you pick up so many memories, don't you? Like even oh. just as an amateur, but let alone a professional like yourself, you all around the world, you're meeting so many people. But I don't know what it is about cycling. You just, I reckon, when you meet someone new on the bike or at a race or in your team. The connections just seem to form faster or they're more meaningful. I don't know what it is. Yeah, no, I agree. It's, it's what I like most about the sport, to be honest. Um, mm. And, yeah, and you forget a lot of these things and you go back through the years and you're like, oh, yeah, like I remember that time and that place and that person. <laughs> and there's just there's so many beautiful memories. Um, yeah. And, yeah, it's just it makes the sport so special, I think. Mm, it does. So retirement, amazing. Yeah. Well, you know, it's not amazing you retire. We'd all love you to go on forever. But, uh, yeah, like what was um, – well, how long has this been, you know, in your in your thoughts retiring from, from professional cycling? Yeah, it's it's come on pretty quick, actually. Um, mm. I mean, it has been in the back of my mind the last couple of years um, and on and off um, in different situations and – more so this year, um, I've been speaking to my sports psychologist about it actually and mentioned it to her. I'm like, oh, like I think I'm probably going to retire soon, like maybe in the next couple of years. Um, I just want to like, you know, put things into place and just have a bit of a a plan going forward for when I do and and also just kind of ask her like, you know, like when do you think you know when you're going to retire? Yeah, and yeah. She was kind of like, oh, it's probably just a feeling that you'll you'll get at some point. Um, and so I was just like, yeah, okay. And 
just been thinking about like, yeah, where I want to be, what I want to be doing. And um, it was actually at the Tour de France this year. Um, I was on the start line of one of the stages and just looking around and I saw Gracie Elvin, Nettie Edmondson, Iris Slappendale on the other side of the fence. Yeah. And I'm just like, just sitting there and I'm like, like, I think I want to be on the other side of the fence um, mm-hmm. sooner than I thought. And and I was like, oh, we'll see. Um, but just, yeah, kind of sat with that feeling. And and then the Tourmalet stage, actually, like riding up the Tourmalet, Gruppetto, and we laugh a bit at Gruppetto, just like, oh, man, I'm going to rack it soon. This is too hard. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but that, like, it was just a different feeling. So I was, I was climbing up there and I was loving it and enjoying it. Um, but I just thought to myself, I think this is going to be the last time I'm going to be racing the tour. Mm, um, mm. My first and last time. Mm. And so I just really took it all in and tried to enjoy myself and made sure I made time cut. <laughs> and mm. um, yeah, and then got to the end of the tour. Um, I was speaking to my manager, Nettie Edmondson, mm. and we we're talking about like the plans for next year. And the plans just didn't really excite me, to be honest. Um, and at the same time, I also got offered a job opportunity outside of racing and that excited me a lot more than racing. And uh, I basically just broke down and cried and yeah. I was just like, man, I think I'm done. Like, I, I don't, don't know if I want to keep racing. And But at the same time, I was just mentally and physically exhausted from like the hardest eight days of racing I'd ever done. And mm-hmm. so I didn't want to make any decisions there and then, but um, yeah. So I took myself to Greece on a holiday, just, yeah, enjoyed myself. Just try to forget about riding my bike and um, came back, spoke to some close friends of mine and, and also to some friends that have retired recently as well. And just kind of got their advice and, and their thought processes around retiring and, when you think it's the right time and yes, I'm super thankful to those people, particularly uh, Gracie Olvin, actually she gave some really good advice. Um, And then, yeah, just kind of sat with the idea for a few weeks um, Mm. just to make sure it was what I wanted to do. And, and I still had the same feelings um, a few weeks ago and yeah. So made the decision and uh, I feel really good about it. And the thought of doing things outside of racing excites me more than racing. So I think for me, like that's, uh, that's my decision and, and I'm really happy with it and excited for what the future is going to hold really. Mm, that's awesome. That's uh yeah, it sounds like you really, it sounds like it's the, the right decision. And um, yeah, I think when you, I do that similar, I do that as well with some things as well. I have a key decision to make. You sit on it for a couple of weeks, don't you? And then if you still feel the same or you're still thinking about it, then sometimes you know it's a you know, it's a, it's got a firm hold. Um I wondered, well, actually, I was thinking of you at the Tour de France events because I thought actually before at the start, when I saw you got selected, and I was thinking in my head, I was like, Oh, I would have thought that would have been a major goal for you to to earn because you know, Tour de France Femmes is is the big dance and just getting selected is is hard enough, you know, it's like making the Olympic team, you know, that's massive in its own right. And I wondered if that was like a, just a, maybe getting selected and obviously racing it helped you maybe just like tick that one off. Like it's a real milestone for any professional. Um, 
Yeah, like for me, it was a massive goal. And uh, last year, I was really disappointed to just miss out on selection. Um, and so, like, I did say to the team, like, I want to race the tour. And they're like, well, we're taking the best team. Um, yeah. So, you know, it's, uh, yeah, you might not get in. And with the team we have, we have a lot of strong riders. And um, I had a really good spring and mm. was, yeah, probably racing, probably the best I've raced. Um yeah, in, in quite some years, which I was really happy about and and found out quite early I was in the team. So trained super hard for it. And yeah, yeah. Yeah, just like that is definitely just uh, a massive goal that I've achieved to be there um and support the girls there and and also to finish it too, because there was a lot of days there where I, I didn't think I was gonna be getting to the end. Um mm. I was just really battling to be honest. And mm. it was it was yeah, pretty crazy, like doing some of my best ever numbers and being dropped so hard <laughs> and I'm like man this is just <laughs> savage but at the same time like just seeing how far women's cycling's progressed and and yeah. being there racing was just unreal and I'm so happy I got to do it um yeah during my career because there's a lot of riders that haven't had that chance and mm. yeah it's it's only the start of something big for women's cycling I think oh yeah it's so it's so good to watch like yeah. It's wicked having it like one thing, having it straight after like the men's tour de France, we've got so many eyes on the sport. Like after a big tour of any race, men's or women's, when it ends, you're like, oh, this sucks. But then it doesn't because now the women's is on. It's like a whole new sport. It's like, you know, new characters, new, new riders popping up. And and um God, it's so good to watch. I'm sure. Well, I wondered, will you watch next year? Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, yeah. I'll keep watching and and hopefully still be a part of the sport in some capacity. Um, mm. And yeah, it also makes it a bit hard, a hard decision to retire as well, because women's cycling is growing so much at the moment and it's, it's only going to get better and better. Um, mm. But yeah, I hope I can still be a part of that and, um, and yeah, help influence the growth of it for sure. Mm. Will you, um, will you stay in Europe next year? Well, for the That's short term, ah, yeah, beautiful. yeah. So, um, yeah. So, I, I'm pretty happy that I'm really set on that because it'd be quite a hard decision if I didn't know if I wanted to go back to Australia or, or mm. stay in Europe. Mm. Um, but I've always known that as soon as I retire, I'm going to be staying in Europe. Um, don't know if I'll be here forever, but like, definitely want to be here at the moment. Um. I really enjoy this lifestyle I made for myself here and I love Australia too. And I'll come back uh, at the end of the year and, and see my family and spend some time with the Perth cycling community as well, which is <laughs> super nice. Um, oh yeah. But yeah, I, I definitely want to be over here and yeah, see what I end up doing and I can always go back to Perth, you know, it's always going to be there and it will always be my number one home, but I do really enjoy living here as well. Yeah. That's great. Uh well, I was I put a list down of things I wanted to ask you. Now these questions I should have sent them to you before, but if you take if you need some time to think, I'll just slice it out, you know, and I'll just yeah, make no you think worries. you've got it in the gun. So these I want to talk about moments, right? So yeah. whole list of moments um throughout your career. So it should be some cool memories here. But you have been with um with Green Edge Jayco, um, you know, for a long time, like seven seasons, eight. Eight years, yeah. Eight years. Uh incredible. And so nice to finish, you know, just like the one, you know, you were with a few teams before, but yeah, your biggest stint as a pro was with 
um, with Greenwich. It's just a super cool feeling. You would have had many memories at Greenwich, but I wondered, do you have like a one specific real happy memory from uh, your time with the team, one that stands out or you think of the most? Yeah, um, the one that still always stands out is uh, racing my first Giro d'Italia um, and Anamique winning it for the first time. Um, it was such a great tour. Um, I think we had like five stage wins in, in 10 stages um, with three different riders and we just rode so well as a team and and on paper we weren't the strongest team like we had one of the strongest riders but we weren't the strongest team um and everyone just committed so much from themselves and and uh yeah we rode up the zonkelin one stage and oh. that was just epic and yeah massive backbreaker that one <laughs> but um just how the team came together that tour um and for Anamik's first win um of the Giro was just, yeah, something I'll remember forever. And yeah, it was just, just the best memories there. Mm. Anyone that's played a team sport, not cycling, but you know, footy, rugby, cricket, netball, anything like that. When you, when you're part of a winning team, if it's a premiership of your club or something, it is such a good feeling, especially when so much has gone into it. Hey, like there's, there's just oh. something about it. Yeah. Yeah. And, it's, and it's then another cycling. Yeah, exactly. And another really good moment was a couple of years ago, actually, at um, Tour of Ardèche, um, so it's just like the mountains in France. And mm-hmm. um, we went there and we were just trying to have a good crack at the tour. And we woke up on like second or third stage and all our bikes had been stolen overnight and uh, woke up and we're like, ah, oh, shit. Like <laughs> it was like a big mountain stage and we like really wanted to win, had no bikes and mechanics out there like chasing these robbers in his bloody undies and uh <laughs> and we never got him back and uh no. so how we all came together at that tour like within other teams as well like we, we got to the start line i was on like a can canyon like shram bike and never used yeah. shram before and buddy doing the gears wrong up and down the climbs yeah. and <laughs> everyone's just on different bikes different geometries and we just buddy got it done and eventually we got got team bikes back and uh won a stage and oh. like stuff like that and uh yeah when when the bad times happen but then you make it good and you all come together and and particularly in the cycling community like everyone helps each other out and um that was just a tour I remember forever and uh yeah just uh there's just so many good moments but those yeah. two stand out a lot that's wicked what about uh on the other side of the coin what about some of the tough moments in your career. Um, can you think of anywhere, I don't know, it might have been, you know, crashing during the race and finishing the race or um, coming back from injury or I don't know. What was a really tough moment in your career, Jess? Yeah, I mean, I think every athlete has uh, many tough moments. Um, crashes aside, like, yeah, I mean, bones heal, it, it sucks at the time. But, yeah, when you break a bone, usually just, bit of rehab and you're sweet but um I think for me probably the toughest time was actually getting into the world tour um I was a very successful junior um won the junior world time child championships and I think yeah like I expected big things from myself I think a lot of people did as well and I just I really struggled actually out coming out of the juniors um 
And I signed for a French team, uh, Bien Futuroscope, which is now the FDJ team. Yeah, yeah. And I look back now and I'm like, man, I don't know how I did that. Like I was only about 19 years old, just lived in a small little town and wasn't even a town actually. It was kind of like a, a student campus um, in France. Just uh, lived by myself. A couple of teammates would come in and out and yeah, I didn't speak any French or not great French and yeah, I don't even think I had a phone sim. Um, and <laughs> yeah, like I look back now and, and that was tough. Like I, I really struggled through that year and, and got to the end of the season. And I was like, I don't know if I want to do that anymore. Um, and yeah, the team were really good and I'm still in contact with them now and, and super grateful for the opportunity to race there, but uh, I couldn't do it again. And so I really questioned like if I wanted to be in the sport or not. Um, mm. So I actually took myself to to North America and based myself in Canada uh, for a summer racing. And I knew a few people that, that were working there and riding there. And I just rode for a club team, um, got the love for the sport back again. Um, mm. But then I also didn't know if I wanted to go back to Europe and what I wanted to do. And so I tried tandem riding um, oh, as a really? pilot rider for a, uh, a girl called Jessica Gallagher. Um, she's based in Melbourne and she's an ex uh, skier, uh, vision impaired skier. And she needed a pilot rider. And uh, I was like, well, yeah, like, you know, I, ha I have no ties and I want to be in the sport in some capacity. And so I moved to Melbourne, tried that for a, for a summer, um, did the track with her. But she was more of a sprinter and uh, I just, <laughs> okay. I'm not a sprinter um, and trying yeah. to wind up a tandem with uh, someone on the back was not my forte. So I got dropped yeah. from the program pretty quick, but um, it was, it was a good, uh, good thing to do and open my eyes a bit. Um, and then the following season, I was like, okay, like, I'm just going to give this one more shot, like have a good summer, um, hopefully get picked for like an Australian development team. Um and see how we go and yeah so I just trained super hard for that and was lucky enough to, to have a good race at the Cadell Evans race I think it was in 2016 and just got my foot in the door to um to race for the national team and originally I wasn't in the national team but um Loretta Hansen was in it and her trade team at the time didn't want her to race it um so I got put in and I was like, oh, like, this is sweet. And I had a really good season or a really good, like, 10-week block with the Aussie team and um, went back home after the 10 weeks, went on a yoga retreat in Bali and <laughs> then got a call from uh, Martin Verass, uh, who was the director of, of Green Edge at the time. And he's like, oh, mate, you want to come back to Europe um, at the end of July and do the second half of the season with Green Edge? And... I was just like, no way. Like, Whoa. that's unreal. I'm like, yeah, man, I'll pack my bags now and, and get on the plane. Like, and wow. so, yeah, it was it was a tough few, few years just to to actually get my foot into the door there. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, like super happy it happened. I'm, and I'm super happy that I, yeah, kept fighting for a few years to make it happen because I know how hard it is for people to get contracts and, and particularly being Australian as well, you are yeah. so far from European racing. And unless you put yourself into, say, like North American racing or go do crits and stuff in Holland, um, it is a it's a tough gig to get into. 
throughout those early periods, especially when you're in that um, that small sort of township in in France. I remember you telling me that story uh, on our first podcast, and um, you must have had you must have had like, what was driving you for those tough moments, and yeah, you know, what was stopping you from giving up? You must have had was it just like an inner belief that you could do it, or did you have people back home just really telling you to, to keep chasing it you must have something driving that that push yeah I think I mean I had so much great support back home like my family had been so supportive from day one and if I don't ever want to do something they don't force me to do it um but I think because I I think probably because I knew how successful I was as a junior I, I knew I had potential to to be in Europe um, and particularly from the year before racing with the national team with the Amy Gillett scholarship and for like the French team to even recognize I had some kind of talent I'm like no way I, I deserve to be here um, and sometimes yeah like I feel like you, sometimes you do need to be put in an environment like that and you are going to either sink or swim and you do really find out like the character of people and like I, that just made me resilient. Yeah. Super resilient that year. Mm. And um, I think I, I appreciate so much I have on this team now and, and compared to then, because a lot of people just go from like juniors straight into a world tour team or juniors to like the AIS to a world tour team. And I have so much respect for the people that, that go into a smaller team first and, and do the hard yeah. yards because yeah, like you're driving 14 hours to races and stuff like that. Whereas, you know, now we can just get on a plane and I quite often find myself complaining about, oh, I have to like fly here this week. And then I think like, man, like when I was 20, I was driving 14 hours to a race and mm-hmm. couldn't speak to anyone on the team. And, you know, like, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, it puts everything into perspective. Um, and so I think I just pushed myself through for myself for like, yeah, my family as well and and the people that, yeah, believed in me. And and I did still enjoy the sport. I just was getting my head kicked in so much and just needed to find the love for it a bit more after that season, I think. Yeah, yeah. Good old-fashioned crits. Bring the love back. I love that. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's true. And and sometimes, like, I think a lot of people go through that in their career and, and question, you know, is it what you want to do? And I've just found like when I'm enjoying myself the most is when I perform well. Um, mm. And so I've tried to do that as much as possible in my career and and keep quite a, a healthy balance of on and off the bike things. And mm. I don't consider myself a real tunnel visioned athlete. Um, I'll be super strict and somewhat tunnel vision when I needed, but, um, but yeah, I mean, you also have to have a good time and enjoy yourself. And I think that's when I definitely get the best out of myself for sure. Mm, yeah, that's wicked. When you spoke about the Kieran, um, the Kieran, when you spoke about the tandem, it just made yeah. me think of um, the first time I've ever ridden with anyone on a tandem was at TDU last year, and I was riding oh, yeah. with um, I was riding with Freeberg and uh, and his his um, Stoker uh, Kieran yeah. Murphy, who I think Kieran was saying he used to be a in the AIS. For cycling and then he started losing his vision and like you mentioned before tunnel vision that's the kind of vision his is sort of closing in and uh, i think at that point uh, he's he could see like i don't know maybe a five cent coin or something um so he now rides as a tandem and i remember we were, we were going out to the hills and i was thinking 
and I was with Togdini as well. He was there too, and then you know, Gladsby and all the crew. And I remember thinking, geez, we're doing a pretty hilly circuit, like Freeburg and Kieran and the tandem bike. That's you know, there's like 200 kilos on that on the bike. And I remember thinking, oh, I hope we're not going to go like, what if it's really slow? Oh, I got ripped apart. <laughs> I mean, naturally I'm going to, but, you know, I was amazed at how fast they were going uphill. Like, I mean, yeah, there's two of them and they're super strong, obviously, but incredible. Oh, quick, man. Like, the power <laughs> those boys must put out is uh, is insane. Oh. And I, I think it's something everyone should do at some point, actually. Mm. And, um, like, my first experience of it, I was super young, like, I think about 14 or something. Um, and we had a vision impaired school come out to the velodrome. Um, oh, cool. And so, yeah, I was part of Midland Cycle Club. And on a weekend for, I think, quite a few weeks, we had a vision impaired school come out. And all the juniors would uh, would pilot ride these vision impaired kids. Um, oh. And it was unreal. And to yeah. be able to, like, give back to the sport in that way and and to help these these kids who can't see ride a bike was just super special and i think a lot of clubs and um and teams should actually look into doing that because it just yeah it gives them such a love for the sport and also makes you feel good to be able to help someone do that um mm. but it's mm. it is super tough you don't realize like i found it hard like particularly the road actually like navigating um like poles and stuff you know like you forget how long a tandem is and quite often I'd be out on the road and like the back of the bike smacked into a pole and the girl I'd ride with a bit of leash is like oh what was that and I'm like oh now we're all good mate no stress like, <laughs> yeah yeah that right. <laughs> but it's, it's tough that's for yeah. sure but they go quick and particularly downhill when freebie oh. and uh and his mate on the back far out hit 100k an hour well, I think he said they hit um at when I saw I saw them again at Nationals. Actually, that was the week before. And it was the the Nationals was a three up sprint in the tandem road race on Bunningong. They came to the line, a three up sprint. I couldn't believe it. It was Freeberg and Kieran and um oh, these two guys that won it the year before and someone else, literally a drag race. And I think they hit like 75k an hour in this final sprint. Oh, man, <laughs> that's, that's crazy. Yeah, and, and I, I think Freeberg said they went over 90 down Bunny Hill. That is out yeah, of control. Yeah, that would surprise me. <laughs> yeah, it was oh, – I love that. Actually, watching the the, the para-athletes and, and, uh, and the – all the different sort of, you know, uh, categories they have there it was actually um, super cool, you know, um, all of them out there competing and they're, yeah, proper, um, yeah, just proper legends, you know, kind of inspiring. Oh, they? yeah. They're just, mm. yeah, super inspiring, so tough as well. And, um, mm. yeah, I was fortunate enough to spend quite a bit of time with those athletes when I was in the para program. And um, mm. it's amazing what they've been through, what they're capable of and, yeah. And also just all their other instincts as well. And, you know, like um, from what they don't have, everything else gets better. And, yeah, they're super inspiring people. And, yeah, mm. I think everyone should get a chance to work with them at some point in their career because it's, it's yeah, just a, a great organisation to be a part of. Mm. Uh, okay. Favourite race of your career, Jess? So this could be, you know, maybe a race you've just got a nice personal sentiment to, like the Giro, like you said, or, well, you can't say that now because, you know, we already talked about it. 
<laughs> or it could just be a race that's really well organized or you know maybe they give you a nice like i like when hotels put the chocolate on the pillow that doesn't happen so oh, much same. anymore same or a you cookie know? with the tea oh with a what a cookie with a like you know like i think this only happens in the uk but normally they leave you like a little biscuit like with oh. in the tea section and oh. that's the best when you get to a hotel room and they've got like a little cookie there with the tea <laughs> on the site we're on for a good week ladies <laughs> Oh, you know what that reminds me of? It's so funny. You would have done the Cy Classic before, eh? Kalgoorlie. The which one? The Kalgoorlie Cy Classic. Is that a handicap race? Yeah, yeah. I well, don't reckon I have, man. I've never even been to Kalgoorlie. Oh, okay. Well. I've got a list of things to do. <laughs> you have to do it. Anyway. So Kalgoorlie, everyone knows, and everyone knows where Kalgoorlie is. If the international is, it's like the gold fields of WA. Lots of gold there, yeah. and um, lots of gold mining. Big, big handicap on flat highways, um, and you know, small towns where there's just like a general store and a pub. That's it. But anyway, on the second, on the first night, we were staying at this camping station, like an old mining camp station, and it's called Morapai Station, and. Oh, there's real grim rooms in there, like proper grim rooms. I remember the bathroom looked like, you know, the Saw movie, the first one. Oh, man. Just look like <laughs> that bathroom, that seriously. Anyway, but on in this little donger on the pillow was like a faded packet of peanut M&Ms, like a small bag, you know. <laughs> the, the yellow peanut M&Ms colour was like oh. faded. <laughs> but they were on the pillow. <laughs> It was, and they were I'm good. I hate uh, they give peanut M and M's like allergies and stuff, but they're oh, the best. They, You'd be yeah, stoked if you walked in there. <laughs> I was stoked, and Megan was yeah. like, "Don't eat those." And I was like, "I just done 120 k's. Oh, of course, we're gonna eat them." <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, yeah, that you know, favorite race. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think it's got to be tour down under. Um, oh. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's some great races I love over in Europe, but uh there's nothing better than just racing, particularly now it's world tour, racing a world tour race in your home country with just so much support there. Like I think bloody most of Perth comes over to Adelaide that week <laughs> and I see more people in Adelaide than what I do back in Perth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. It's just it's such a nice week and um so many supporters and just great people around and and yeah, getting to show uh, Australia off to the international riders is is super special. Mm, yeah, and for the riders, just staying in that one hotel like the Hilton, super nice as well. And and well, we never used to like stay at the Hilton, mate. That was the first time last year. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I didn't know. Oh. So high rolling last year, but um, normally we'd stay at like um at I guess their boarding schools, really um yeah just a bit outside of town and in kind of like like single room dorm setups mm. um with like each team had their own common room so it was actually like quite good um although mm. always a bit dirty about the boys being in the hilton and us in a boarding yeah. school but um <laughs> it was actually super fun and some some good times there actually um i remember one morning years ago it was like 5 a.m and it was like the day after the after party so we got in pretty late like early hours <laughs> in the morning and I think Emma Pooley and like the girls were going out for a training ride at like 5 a.m and over oh, the PA God. speaker 
over the PA speaker to the school, they said, like, anti-doping's here and you need to come out. And we're all like, oh, <laughs> now just taking the best. And <laughs> oh, so it was actually what? a fun time staying in those, uh, in those schools. Wow. I'm not surprised Emma Pauly out for the 5 a.m. ride the next day. That's oh, gold. that's everyone in Oz, man. If you're in yeah. Queensland, you're out like 4 a.m. I can never get my head around that. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. Wow, I didn't know that. There you go, the Hilton. Yeah. Now wow. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right, the upgrade. <laughs> um, looking forward to TDU this year as well. Um, okay, what about this? The I took this one from Mitch's. Mitch's got a great podcast. Love that one. Oh, yeah. Um, but he always asks on the Talking Luft section the war story. So, you know, one of those rides where just there was a challenge to get through, you know, could have been a training ride, could have been, you know, terrible weather in a race. We've all got them. I wonder if you've got one that comes to mind. It was a race, actually. Um one of my first, yeah, I think it was the first uh, Holland Ladies Tour I did with the team back in maybe 2017. Um, Anna Meek was winning the general classification and it was the last stage and all the teams were just attacking us and a group of like 15 got away and we weren't in it and it was like a break that didn't need to go away. Like we needed to bring it back and we are just on our feet and... Uh, the director just says in the radio, like, girls, you shut it down right now or just ride tempo for 100K and just hold it at, like, two minutes or whatever it was. And Georgia Williams and I were there and we're just, like, we're both just wrecked. And I'm like, mate, I can't go any harder than tempo. And she's like, yeah, same. I'm like, let's just ride tempo for 100K then. And so <laughs> in the radio, we're just like, yeah, we'll just ride tempo for 100K. And so it's just Georgia and I just swapping off just holding it at two minutes and uh we did it we won the tour and uh but like i still chat to uh, anamik about that all the time actually chatting with her last week about some of the best memories and she was just like oh man i always remember that day you and george just on the front for 100k and we finished that race just like oh man never again (laughs) oh jeez but no that was that was sweet good good memory was that I, which race was that? It was called back then. It was called Bowls Ladies Tour. So now it's called yeah. C Max. It was the one that was on last week, and it's oh. always in Holland. And yeah, pretty technical, classic style racing. And yeah, oh. yeah. <laughs> so this could be uh, okay. So let's say two for the next question. Two people. So um, actually. Three people, right? Who are these? Are some people in your um, who've made the biggest impact on your career? And maybe one, maybe choose one from your junior days, so before you turned professional. So someone who made a big impact or influence on you during that period, and then maybe one for your your professional um, career, and then maybe uh, let's say someone specific from from Green Edge or Jaco, if you can think of someone. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, my days. parents are number one, but outside of my parents. Yeah, outside of parents, of course. Yeah, the, the yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I mean, in the junior days, like I started very young. I was only nine years old when I started. Um, yeah. And 
started with Midland Cycle Club and um, Rick Lee was running Midland Cycle Club at that point and how he created just this club environment was just incredible and just the group rides we do together, the training we do together, we go to junior nationals and just just like we just clean up and um it was so fun like when I first started the sport I didn't actually enjoy the sport very much I was just really scared of particularly the velodrome like it took me six months to get above like the light blue I was just so scared um I had people standing there like so I would go above it and I was like I'll just hit you like I'm not moving um (laughs) But the reason I kept going back was just because of this environment that was there and there was young yeah. kids there that that wanted to ride and they're some of my best friends now and I just wanted to go to Wednesday night to go hang out with Jai and my friend Jess and, you know, and yeah. and then eventually I started loving the sport. Um, but for sure he was such a big influence just because he gave us the opportunity to have so many races as well. Um, we had club racing, handicap racing, um, we could always race with the boys, train with the boys. I mean, there weren't many go- girls to ride with at that point anyway. Um, so we just had such a good setup for a group of young kids. Um, and the amount of riders that came out of that group was phenomenal. Like this was all in the era of, yeah, Jai, Michael Freeberg, the Meyer brothers, Sarah Kent, Josie Tomic, Michael Storer, Rob Power. There's just... Mm so many of us that actually went professional from that and I think it is because we just we trained together we actually loved just riding our bikes together and it was just a group of kids that loved pushing each other and um and just a really well run run club um Mm. so for sure if it wasn't for that I don't think I would have even continued the sport um yeah so that Mm. was that was the very early days like under 15s Mm. under 17s um and then into under 19s um Donna Race Lazinki she she's still now like my mentor and and the person I go to when when I have any issue really if it's if it's on the bike or personal life stuff she uh she's yeah such a special person in my life and um she was my coach at the junior world championships when I won and she was in my follow car um and yeah and so she's just helped me so much she was a professional herself um and so she knows what it's like and Mm -hmm. and even speaking about retirement she was one of the first persons i first people i spoke to um when i was really considering it and yeah i'm just super grateful for for everything she's done for me all the time she's spent with me and um yeah yeah, so I'm I'm gonna have that friendship with her for for my whole life for sure. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, she's such a special woman, and I think anyone that gets a chance to work with her is a uh, yeah super lucky for sure. Um, great answers, great answers. Yeah, and then I guess like in in the more recent years, um, Jerry Ryan um, for sure. Uh, we don't have a lot to do with Jerry, um, but. You know, whenever we're we're in Australia, he makes sure he's there to see us. Um, he yeah, always treats us like gold, and and yeah, him and Val, his wife, they just give us so much of their time, um, and they're the reason we have a women's team to start with, and and have had such a successful, 
I think it's been like must be about 11 years or something mm. I think the team's been running mm. um maybe even more and if it wasn't for him you know it's like we I wouldn't have this opportunity and to be over here racing and yeah so as yeah I think for sure he uh has had so much to do with my career and and all, all of any of everyone that's raced in a in green edge mm. yeah absolutely seems just I'd love to meet him one day. I was close to him at, at nationals when uh, I did see him there. He's just one of those guys, just a silent, um, yeah, he's happy to do it in the background, isn't he? What a, yeah, yeah, obviously a sign of a really great man and, of course, his wife as well. Yeah, and they've, uh, just, they've just built a culture in this team that I yeah. think is so special. And um, if anyone gets a chance to spend time with him or meet him, you know, I think everyone just, loves the guy he's like a big teddy bear as well and um <laughs> i was lucky enough that my dad got to meet him over the summer as well and oh, nice. yeah i'm just so thankful to what he's given to this to the sport and particularly women's cycling 100 percent, 100 okay now how are you going for time by the way yeah we're good man i'm retired okay. now <laughs> Not hey, yet. Ch- china <laughs> we've still got china china uh, <laughs> okay <laughs> What's what's one thing that you can that'll pop into your head now? One thing that you will miss about cycling when it's finally over, and one thing that you won't miss about cycling in a professional sense. I'm not gonna miss gels. Like I hate <laughs> oh, gels, man. Yeah. Like I just oh. can't wait to not have to eat a hundred grams of carbs an hour in a race. Oh. That would be good. <laughs> just un- just unnecessary for normal beings, eh? <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, there's a lot I'm going to miss about the sport, but, yeah, like, just my teammates, really. Like, when I actually – I called them when they were at um, Tour of Scandinavia and mm-hmm. told them I was retiring over video call and uh, oh. just, yeah, cried. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that was the first time I'd, like, proper – cried telling people um most people I told I was really excited about when I told them I was just like real emotional and still get emotional because yeah it's uh it's the camaraderie you have there and the relationships you meet with teammates and from all over the world and um it is so strange like that that you're just rooming with these random people from all over the place and some of them become your best friends um so I'm definitely going to miss that I'm going to miss I'm going to miss group pedal a lot, actually, like particularly in the tours. Um, you have a lot of fun and make a lot of good friends in group pedal. And uh, as much as it's just a suffer fest, uh, you have some good laughs. And yeah. yeah, but at the same time, like the people and and the community side of it, it's something I still want to be a part of. Um, so I'm still hoping in, in what I do in the future, I'm, I'm still going to have that team environment and um yeah, hopefully a bit of a leadership role in, in whatever I decide to do and, and um, yeah, just help the sport keep growing and help mentor the next generation, really. Mm-hmm. That sounds very exciting. When you mentioned the gels, it just made me think of a story of why gels suck, you know, especially as, you know, just your average Joe like me. And this is like a sort of a war story. It's classic. Um so we were, <laughs> Fega and I were riding in the hills once and it was still early days. So we were just, you know, we 
weren't quite sure of our limits. And I think Megan started running out of energy and uh, didn't have enough food with her. <laughs> and so I think we were going from the Gijiana Bakery oh, and we are riding. Yeah, yeah, good. I'm actually going there this Sunday. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but we were riding from there and I, I'd only done that ride a few times and we're going across back to Stoneville, Mundaring. And I just thought it was a little bit close. I thought there was a servo like 10 kilometres away. There wasn't. And I kept saying, oh, it's just another 10 Ks. <laughs> and Megan's getting darker and darker in the hole. And then I was starting to bog as well. So we're both just crawling super hot. And we finally made it to Mundaring where there's this, you know, this little, it was a public holiday, which is why we're riding. And so nothing was open. So the the only thing we could go to was the servo. And I had one SIS gel left that I was saving as like a last hurrah. And just if Megan collapsed, I'd feed her the gel. It was a cherry SIS, right? <laughs> but we made it to the to the the servo that was the only thing that was open. And the only thing um that we could eat, because we only ate vegan food, were a packet of reduced to clear crumpets for 80 cents. <laughs> that would hang it up. And I had the gel. I was like, oh, these will be all right. We'll just have the the gel on the crumpets. Be like a jam. Oh, it, it was the worst thing ever. Like just a raw crumpet <laughs> with the gel. Mate, they call that loop the Death Valley loop for a reason, eh? Oh, they, uh, they 100% do. And we still laugh about that now. We just thought, remember those crumpets? 80 cents. We could have died. Yeah. <laughs> we could have died. The gel was, yeah, shit. So. <laughs> no, nah, they're good when uh, they're a good bonk breaker, aren't they? Like, good yeah. emergency backup. And when you really need them, they, they yeah. get you there. <laughs> they get you there, all right. Um, now. I've got a quiz for you. It's just one question, but you've already mentioned a few times that you were junior world time trial champion, um, which is amazing. Um, but I wondered, actually, I know the answer here, but do you, do you know what your average speed was that you won the time trial? 13.9 Ks was the distance. What was your average speed? 44K now. Oh, 43.21. Oh, <laughs> oh, that's good. Oh. Round up. Yeah, round up. I remember it being pancake flat and like super technical and yeah. <laughs> How about the, the setups now? Like time trial setups versus oh. back then? Well, the thing is, like that time trial, I jumped on a, a brand new bike like oh. a week before the time trial because I had like a Fuji time trial bike or something at home and it wasn't really good and, and I was really fortunate that um, Cycling Australia were like, oh, we've got this like old Teshner like painted black with Australia written on it and they're like, we think that will be faster. And I was like, oh, yeah, no no worries and just jumped on that like must have, yeah, been like a week before, even a few days before, just jumped wow. on. I'm like, too easy. Yeah, <laughs> sure <laughs> it's done and... <laughs> Wow. Yeah. Do you still have the jersey? Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. Like we, we framed it, um, put nice. some pictures of my medal on it. And, um, yeah, so, uh, my mum and dad did really nice, like framing of like national medals and, oh, and then that cool. world championship medal. So, um, 
yeah they're super precious and i think it's up in my dad's house actually he's got like oh. a room with a bit of memorabilia in it so he the loves jess it. allen memorabilia pool room <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's so sick i've actually got behind here you won't be able to see because it's blurred well actually no way i'll un oh i'll unblur it i have um where is the blur thing? oh here we go yes this is pretty village without the blur oh. but this is not what i was going to show you the curtain <laughs> i've got in the background there i've got that's Durbo's under 23 World Time Trial Championship jersey. And the funny thing is, is this I got stitched up here. I got stitched up. So I'm putting the screen back, everyone. I'm just going to hold it. So <laughs> I was at this fundraiser, right? So yeah, I was at this fundraiser and um, it was for the Bunker Bay 300. Now, I was doing just some MC work there or something, and it was, a, it was a little bit crazy. But anyway, I was doing for a good cause of some sort of mental health charities uh, on board there, the Blue Cherry Project and something else. I can't remember. Oh, and this is on AUOK Day right now. And anyway, yeah, yeah. I thought, oh, yeah, if there's something good, I'll bid on it. I didn't really have any money, but I was like, you know, I'll just do something that's good. And this jersey came up, and I was like, someone had donated this jersey. And I was like, oh, sweet. And I was like... I don't reckon anyone will even know, you know, anything about that. And so I was like, oh, I'll see what the starting bit is because there was lots of rich people in the room. It was at the Ritz-Carlton too. So um, anyway, so the first bid was 400 bucks, and it took a while for someone to do a first bid. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'll pay 500 bucks for that. So I bid 500 bucks, and I got the jersey, obviously. But I get the jersey. It's still cool. But it's one that he signed. So it was a signed Durbo jersey. And I was like, yeah, sweet. But he's it's it's it was to Simon Jones, who was coaching him at the time. And he's <laughs> <laughs> they didn't say that. So it says, Hey, so thanks, Simon, for all your work, Durbo. <laughs> and he donated it. And I was like, what? You've got to say that. Like I'm still happy I've got it, but like, yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I paid my bit, but now I've got it on the wall and I'm still happy I've got it. Yeah, I, I think yeah. he won that the same year as I won the other 19. It was both of us like in Copenhagen. Oh, 2011. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's the yeah. same year that my very favorite cyclist, Cav, won the world chess in the men's. Wow, yeah. this is serendipity. Yeah. This is crazy. Just <laughs> think back. This my whole podcast studio is full. That's really good, mate. Yeah, yeah, that's great. So, um, <laughs> okay, now, um, great guess. Did you, like, just know that, 44Ks now? Yeah, I think I did. <laughs> How could you forget? You're the bloody junior world champ. Okay. No, I think, like, there was, like, an article in the newspaper and it was, like, titled, like, Freak Jess Races 44K an Hour. And I remember reading this thing, I'm like, Freak, like <laughs> <laughs> 44 is rapid, especially for juniors, too. Like, that's crazy. Yeah, it was close to, I think. I think I only won by like second or so. Yeah, but um, who's the um, is, is it Eleanor Barker was second, and and the and track unit, she's yeah. a track machine. She didn't retire Mika. too long ago, that's right. Yeah, um, she still Kruger. races, they all still race. okay. Yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. 
Good podium. Good podium. Yeah. Okay. I've got my um, well, this is a good question. I think this will, you'll have a good answer here. Um women's cycling's come a long way since you started, and, and especially in the last, you know, three or four years. Um, and I think a big part of it is the rise of of GCN plus, you know, just the you know, you can see you can watch women's cycling properly now. Um, but what do you think in the next five years would make um, you know, a big difference in continuing that improvement on the women's side of the sport? I think we're probably going to see teams grow bigger. Um, like in terms of roster? Yeah, I think so. Like we are getting a lot more racing now. Um, mm. And... Yeah, I think if the race wants to continue to get bigger and, and more races, then we're going to have to have a bigger roster um, mm. because it still is quite different to the men as in like we only have like 14, 15 riders in a team um, and there are now overlaps of of tours and and uh, race days. So, yeah, it, it, it's really hard mm. on riders, particularly if they're sick or injured, then a lot of riders are getting caught up all the time and, and um yeah, so you're going to need more staff, more riders, and just a bigger team in general. Um, and, I mean, yeah, the coverage, I think, is the most important thing. And we've got so much good coverage now. And I think if we can see that progress to, like, some races you only see maybe the last hour and a half of the race, but if we can progress yeah. that to seeing more of the race and um, particularly to see more of the work that the domestiques do um, because women's cycling is so aggressive a lot of the time the race can be pretty much done and dusted with an hour to go um, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. just split up so much. Um, so continuing, yeah, the progress of that for sure. Um, mm. Mm. Yeah. And, and maybe even we're seeing it now, like in even the team, um, Jacob Alula, we're going to have a development team next year. And, oh, and yes. quite a few teams have that UAE, Israel. Um, yeah. So I think we'll see more of that. And it just, it's that extra stepping stone for the young riders going into the world tour and some handle it fine. You know, they can go from under 19s, like someone like Mariana Voss, for instance, wins junior world championships and then is on the podium winning the elite world championships for like the next five years. Yeah. Um, but not everyone's like that. And I look back now and, and how I found it so hard getting into, into the world tour. Um, I think, yeah, having these under 23 teams could be, a really good stepping stone um, in women's cycling and and just to keep more women in the sport and develop younger riders. Um, and I think we're going to see probably more of that over the next five years, which will be super beneficial. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, Jess, uh, when are you going to, uh, are you going to do like, you obviously got some plans for, for next year, but when are you going to announce those? Um, should be in the coming weeks. So, um, oh, I'm just okay. finalizing exactly what it's all going to look like. Um, cool. but yeah, I'm, I'm super excited and, um, yeah, keen to see where, where the next path takes me. Yeah, good. So excited for you. I'm really excited for you. I oh, think the whole, so the whole cycling world is, it's, uh, it's awesome. You know, another chapter ready to be uh that's it that's ready. it so now mm. i'm excited and yeah really proud and happy of the career i've had too and mm. can't wait to get back to perth and uh hang out with the gang there as well and 
<laughs> and also, yeah, just, yeah, it's such a big, great community there. So uh, it'll be really nice to get back there and, and celebrate my career with, with the OGs from down under. Legends. That's another episode of the Pro Swing Podcast done and dusted. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to leave a rating on Spotify. Get the star ratings out. You can hit the star. Give us five if you think it's worth that. Or if you're on Apple, you can leave a review right at the bottom. Scroll to the bottom and use the uh, the star rating and write something funny. Tell me what you enjoyed about this episode or any of the episodes. And of course, Thanks to Jess for coming on the pod. Uh, big congratulations to her. Make sure you send her a message and say, um, you know, congrats on her career because she's had an absolute ripper and she is one of the most respected riders in the peloton. And of course, legends. Thanks to Zwift. Thanks to Bike Racks. Thanks to Smith Optics and Attacker. All the codes down below if you need any of their products. And legends, if you're still listening now, where well, is the secret goss? Next week's episode will be Joshua Tarling from Ineos Green Deers, and you guys are going to love this one.